Hi, and welcome to the Cornelius Seed Podcast. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Established in 1935, we're an American-owned and family-owned independent seed company. We're excited to partner with you in our new podcast by bringing you five generations of agricultural experience and decades of industry expertise. In our podcasts, you can expect to gain valuable and timely information to aid you in making decisions for your operation. We'll keep things simple and informative and much like our motto, Planet Profit. Thanks for joining. This is Juan Camacho, Innovation Lead for Cornelius Seed. In today's episode, we're going to talk about our new herbicide technologies for soybeans. I'm joined by Will Cornelius, Cornelius Seed Soybean Lead, and Craig Alleman, our lead agronomist. Let's get right to it, and let's talk about things to consider as it relates to the latest herbicide technologies. Will? Can you tell us where Cornelius is at in regards to the new herbicide technologies for soybeans, uh, these being ExtendFlex and Enlist? And if you will, if we can put an emphasis on, on germplasm and yield. Yeah. I mean, the really great thing about being an independent, independent company, first of all, is we do have access to all these traits that are out there. So we can choose what's best for the market, what's best for our customers and bring those to you. Um, you know, we're not locked into a platform like some of the, the companies that are owned by these trait developers are locked into selling just extend or just enlist. And they're, they're fighting that battle where we can say, well, what do you want to do, Mr. Farmer? What's right for you? And we've really enjoyed that position in the market. So, you know, what we've worked to do is, is not only source different traits, but also different genetic platforms to bring diversity within those trait platforms you know, Extend's been around for a few years now. I really do think we have an elite uh, Extend lineup. It, there's really not much room for improvement on it. If you look at the scores in the book, they're all sevens, eights, which is very good to excellent um, for disease and agronomics. You know, we all know that the yield is there as well. So quite honestly, anything that we bring out, has got to compare to these Extend varieties, which I do think the new traits are doing that. Um now, we've had Enlist for a couple of years now, and, I, and the other advantage Enlist has is it's been breeding, advancing their populations behind the scenes for even longer, because if you remember back, we waited on trade approval for a long time. Now, this, now that we finally get to use that trait, you know, that we've seen the benefits of that, it was a little bit quicker adaption to what I would call an elite lineup. I would say our Enlist lineup is right on the door of being elite at every Submaturity group, early group twos, late group twos, and same in group threes, I'd say there's there's very good to elite products. Um, I would say that the fuller season you get, the stronger enlist gets. The late group twos into group threes are right there with the extend. The early group twos, I think there's some room for improvement, but what I'm looking at for new deployments for 2022, I think I think we're gonna be there. Now extend flex. Um, you know, that's a brand new trait launch. We just had our first ones to sell this year. We finally got that approval um, this fall to, to be able to commercialize those beans. And it, it's an exciting trait platform to, to bring that Liberty in with the Dicamba makes a big difference. Um, but I will say there is some room for improvement on those varieties. We've got a few that are, are pretty darn good, but I think you'll see a lot of turnover in that platform for 2022. I'm doing soybean selections right now, you know, and there is some really good ones coming. Um, but as you'll notice, um, you know, there may not be quite there with our elite extender and list lines. So, you know, in the past, when when new technologies have been introduced, 
there's been some lag in, in some disease tolerances. Is that the case with these two as well? You know, that's a great leading question because I was just about to, to comment on that. Um, that's one of the, re- the places that we do really strive to improve our lines. It, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the extend line, if you're looking at seven and eights across the board, we've really zoned, zeroed into elite products that are great for SDS, great for white mold, stand awesome. You know, when you launch a new trait line lineup, you don't always have those perfect products at every maturity zone. So you end up making some sacrifices. Maybe the SDS isn't as good. Maybe the white mold's not there or it doesn't stand quite so good. Um, you know, of course we have our, our floor. We have certain standards that I'm not going to release a line that is got major holes in it or major warts on it. We just won't do that because we're not going to bring those kind of products to market. So, you know, as you'll notice our extend flex lineup for 21 was, was pretty limited because we wanted to make sure those products met our minimum standards you know, for 2022, we will have more products um, because we're seeing more, more very good products available. Um, the other problem we had with disease scores is there was a lot of unknowns. So we just didn't see a lot of SDS the last few years, or it's, it's really hard to replicate white mold. Um, so some of that comes down to just seeing it in the field um, and getting enough notes on it to know how good it is. And we, we tend to be more cautious on that being versus being aggressive because we want to make sure we don't, we're not caught off guard or by surprise. But kind of in summary, I would say that, that yeah, there, there tends to be some drop-off when you launch a new trait platform, but we try and mitigate that with not only, only launching the products we're comfortable with. And then on a second note, you can use seed treatments to help mitigate that too. you got great products like Saltro that are going to really mitigate your risk for SDS, you know, we got a great suite of um, other herbicides or insect, no, fungicides, sorry, that are going to help us, you know, offset some of those phytopsis scores as well. So, Thanks, Will. And, and, and just to be clear, those, those packages you're talking about, those would be our profit guard packages in, in our soybean lineup? Yeah, so we've got four treatment packages. You know, we've got, we've got Fungal Guard, which is just straight fungicides. We got Fungal Guard Plus, which adds in the Sultro, which brings the Olivo, um, or not the Olivo, it brings in the SDS protection. Olivo is what we used to use for SDX protection, but we found Sultro to be a little bit better product to work with upstream, and it also does not have the phytotoxicity that, uh, or that halo effect that Olivo had. Um, and then we've got the added in the insecticide component that brings you to the profit guard package, which is fungicide insecticide. And then our most all encompassing trait plat or treatment platform is profit guard plus, which is uh, three fungicides and then Olivo and then the cruiser for the insecticide on top of that. Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you making time to be here this afternoon. Um, yeah, this is a good segue. I, I want to talk to Craig a little bit, you know, over at our front office, it, it our orders to date reflect a really strong movement to the two latest uh, herbicide tolerant platforms that, uh, for soybeans that being Extend Flex and Enlist. Now, Craig, first of all, what are your overall thoughts on the need and the value of these two new technologies? Well, when, when we think about the need for these products, uh, I think probably the best thing to do is just to kind of step back and think about the history of herbicide tolerance in soybeans, and that would have started with uh, Roundup uh, resistance or tolerance in beans, um, that being the first first trait that was bred in there. And, you know, back then we used a, mainly a Prowl Pursuit program. We had a good, strong residual down with Prowl. 
we'd come back with with pursuit which uh mainly a broadleaf chemical um but we were starting to have to add a lot of things to that um Oh, out there in Western Iowa, we had woolly cupgrass pretty bad that we would add select into the mix. And then we were starting to have to add Cobra back then in the mid nineties. And that was when we were just starting to see some water hemp. Um, and that was a big problem with issue. So, so that's why, you know, Roundup was really important back then. Also, um, you know, some ALS resistant mare's tail. That was another big thing we, we would get with the Roundup. So we fast forward here today, um, that magical program that we that we had back in the mid nineties um, is it, it has a lot of issues today, and that's that's weed resistance to it. And um, you know, mainly we think about water hemp as public number one of resistant weeds and soybeans, but uh, resistant mare's tail it's become resistant to uh, Roundup as well. That's another big issue we fight really across our whole footprint. Uh, you know, up there and. Southern Wisconsin, uh, you know, pretty much our whole area, but uh, Palmer amaranth being the third one, you know, closely related to water hemp, not as widely spread in our footprint, but um, you know, every bit as prolific of a seed producer and a and a problem, you know, as a yield robbing um, weed in in our soybean program. So, your question is the value of it. It's really really needed. Um, you know, we were running out of options. Uh, when we first got the extend soybeans so we could spray the dicamba post-applied um, and now to have another one with the enlist uh, so we have you know have different options different mode of actions i think is really important and um, you know now that we have them i think the important thing is just how do we use them correctly we we know the mistakes we've made in the past now um, we we probably caused a lot of our uh, we as an industry, you know, uh, have caused a lot of our issues with Roundup resistant weeds by not using enough residuals, not using enough modes of action when we started into the system. So now that we know it and we have these tools where we can get, uh, you know, residual down pre-plant uh, with our post-trip and hopefully get a couple of different modes of actions with different sites of actions in our post-trip, um, that's going to go a long ways towards uh, reserving this technology for many years to come and having clean, profitable soybeans. Well, when when you put it that way, that there's definitely a lot of value, as I see that. Now, you have plenty of experience in the weed control arena. What are your thoughts on on how to approach weed control in, in each of these systems, and and how does that tie into to the treatment packages Will was talking about? Well, the nice thing is it's pretty similar with both uh, programs, whether it be um, the Extend Flex or if or the Enlist. And, and I'm not going to push one herbicide over the other. I'm I'm basically going to talk about a systems approach you can use, and you know you really need to sit down with your retailer and decide what is best in your area. Um, you know, and it could be a price thing. Um, it could be. Uh, you know, what they're able to apply for you, you know, whatever that may be. But but the general approach is is, is going to be very similar. And um, Iowa State has just put out a publication on January 5th on their ICM news um, called Herbicide Programs for Water Hemp Control and Soybeans. So that's another good one. You can go there and reference that. And and again, it's really not pushing one herbicide over the other, but it's it's pushing a systems approach. Uh, with residuals and multiple modes of action in the post-applied trip. 
So, you know, the main thing is uh, we need to have a good residual down that will control a lot of weeds. I mean, when you think about residual ahead of soybeans, you're going to get grasses, some small seeded broadleaves. Hopefully you'll get maybe an early flush of water hemp, but you've got to remember water hemp is a germinator basically May through August, you know, in Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, all four. So um, we're not going to get, we're not going to have a residual as early as we've been planting soybeans that's going to last into that germination period very long. So when we think about residuals, we've got to get one, we've got to get one down and buy us some time so that when we're ready to come back with our post applied and hit that water hemp at a fairly small stage, we can stick that second load of residual in the tank and hopefully, uh, hopefully then get our control through canopy. Um, so, you know, the thing to think about on the residuals, um, the HG 15 group, and, you know, we're talking about products like dual outlook warrant, the older products, but also a, a new one, Zidua, that's just been fan, fantastic on residual on water hemp. Those are really the only ones that we can go post applied and get that residual in soybeans. So we want to think about both in our corn and our soybeans in our pre-plant program. We want to think about maybe not overusing that HG 15 group of herbicides and uh, looking at using some others or at least combinations with, with an HG15 so that we get multiple modes of action there and don't select. There is resistance to those herbicides, not in, in our footprint yet, but uh, it can happen. So we want to we wanna be real careful there. Um, and then the post-applied, the nice thing is with both of these programs, uh, each of them have kind of built in two herbicides that, that – uh, we don't have resistance to water hemp yet in our area. And uh, of course, with the enlist, you've got the 2,4-D and, you know, that can come in a lot of different herbicides with a lot of different names. And then you've got the glufosinate, which is the active ingredient in Liberty. And there are other products that have glufosinate in them. So if we get that in the post trip together um, to, to do a good job of killing that water hemp um, as after it has emerged, and then lay, lay a residual down with it in that post trip. Um, that's going to do us a real, real good job of getting to canopy without, uh, without too much water hemp or any, hopefully. And then similarly, as I mentioned, the enlist program or the extend flex program is very similar. It's just that instead of two, four D in that post trip, we're going to have a form of dicamba. And that, again, there's several products that will have the, uh, that labeled dicamba in there. And then we're also going to be able to tank mix the glufosinate again, which people know is the active ingredient in Liberty. And there are several products that have glufosinate in there. So, um, you know, we've seen as great as we think of 2,4-D and dicamba being as, as broadleaf killers, you know, we've seen water hemp escape through them just in the couple of years that we've used them post-applied. So to have a second mode of action in there to help us do a better job of killing the uh, the water hemp that's out there but also if there happens to be a resistant water hemp to one product uh, you know our plan is to kill it with a second to uh, to prevent that resistance from occurring so um, you know again not not a product recommendation but a system recommendation that's uh, really been proven to work in these soybeans and again what we're trying to do is extend the life of these products by 
uh, by handling them properly. And, and of course, we're going to get the extra value of having clean fields, which equals higher yields, happier landlords, happier customers, and all of the above. Thanks, Greg. And, and for our listeners, check out uh, the links on our podcast description. We'll have a link available for you that'll take you straight to that Iowa State article that Craig referenced. So, you know, be sure to, to check that out after you, you listen to this podcast. Now, Craig or Will, you know, looking down the road, what's the next step in, in the herbicide tolerant market for soybeans? Well, there are several products on the market that are, you know, kind of in the, the late development stages. Most of them uh, have a residual product that's involved. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be game changers. It's just going to allow some, some other tools to use on the residual side, which, you know, as we talk, talk about the pressure on the HG 15s, that will be a help that way. But I, I think the next big thing um, that, that I know they're working on is stacking these, these products together in, in the same soybean. So in other words, uh, the next, you know, next tool there will be having, 2,4-D tolerance, Roundup tolerance, glufosinate tolerance, dicamba tolerance, all in the same plant. And where that's really going to help us out is, number one, it gives us, basically it gives us one extra tool. So instead of having two two products that, uh, that are going to work excellent on water hip, we'll have three. But, you know, what we saw last year, as we have this technology out there, um, we had a lot of drift last year that we thought was coming out of soybean fields and in particular dicamba drift. And, you know, we saw a lot of cases, especially across the eastern half of Iowa, where it probably came out of cornfields more than soybeans. So so just imagine if we're, if we're using dicamba in our corn going after water hemp there, which, you know, which is a great tool. Now, all of a sudden our soybeans right next to it are tolerant to dicamba. So if we do have that drift situation, we're not dinging our soybeans at the same time. And, you know, I, I think that kind of leads into a pretty important point. As we're, as we're looking at our soybean weed control program, you know, we're doing our corn at the same time, and we really need to make sure that these complement each other. And, you know, one, one thing, as I just mentioned, what are we applying post-applied in our corn? You know, our soybeans, now that we're into this mode where we're planting ultra early, we've got soybeans out of the ground when we're spraying our corn posts where maybe in the past we didn't, or at least they were smaller. So if we're plant, if we're planning on using a dicamba in our corn, we've got to be very conscious what's next to it in our soybean fields and vice versa. So, you know, that, that's a really important thing. You're, you're looking at both of them together. Um, you know, we do have some... Uh, 2,4-D tolerant corn that's going to be hitting the market here. Um, it, you know, it's already been approved, so we could start seeing that. So it flips that flips that scenario over the same way with the 2,4-D. If we get some 2,4-D tolerant corn, we're using 2,4-D in our soybeans, then, you know, we're not, we don't have so many issues on the drift side of things. And then, as I mentioned, that HG15 pressure earlier too, you know, Remember, you, that, that's a highly used product in our corn, so we don't want to be using same thing in the corn and then next year, same thing in soybean and year after year develop that resistance. So it all ties in together. Um, a lot of opportunities here to uh, clean some things up that have been a real issue for us, um, you know, last couple of years before they get out of hand. 
Great. Will, anything to add to that? I would say there are a couple other herbicide technologies that are out there for soybeans too that we haven't been able to use. I mean, I don't know if you, you probably shouldn't consider them in your back pocket, you know, in case we develop resistance, but there are some options um, with, with some mesotrione or Callisto or some afloxiflutol balance um, type resistances, but they haven't been approved. Um, That LLGT27 platform that we had had a few years ago, had the potential to have balance balance tolerance, but um, you know it didn't end up getting approved for over the top use, so it, it didn't really add any extra value, which is why we moved on from that trait platform. Uh, but you talk about the future of traits in beans, and those are out there too. So we'll see if those ever do get approved. But sounds like it won't be anywhere in the near future. I think what Craig's talking about for stacking of dicamba and 2,4-D is is closer at hand than than those i do have one last thing i want to talk about that that just came to mind as we're talking about managing these herbicide technologies is there anything that we need to keep in mind as we're managing these herbicide programs Uh, i'm asking specifically as it relates to dicamba i i feel that there's obviously some uncertainty around that in 2020 and what can you share with us dicamba got thankfully a five-year extension um, on its on its approval from the EPA for being able to use that herbicide instead of being a two-year deal like it was the last two go-arounds. Um, but with that said, there's still some states that are waiting on approvals. Um, as far as I know, Illinois still has not put out their state approval for dicamba. Um, so that's something to keep in mind is too when you're, when you're making your selections for your herbicide programs is what are the restrictions for those herbicide programs um, and how that fits into your operation. Cause if, if you're, you, if you can't spray the border of your field with that Camba or the downwind side, you know, you need to keep that in mind, you know, are you willing to go back and, and clean that up later or, or how does that factor into your overall weed control strategy? Well, there's certainly a lot of decisions and things to keep in mind for our growers. Um, Gentlemen, thank you both and to the wonderful insight you shared and bringing together our new herbicide technologies for soybeans and how to manage those systems and really your thoughts around what the future can hold for them. So, so thank you. To our listeners, thank you very much for joining. We really appreciate your time and don't forget to subscribe so that you can get notifications for upcoming episodes. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day.